You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven. And today, you just have me all on my own. And that's because I really wanted to do one in the series of the 12 best. And I wanted to do the 12 best veg, my 12 best ever veg. So the things that if I was cast off to a desert island, or I like to say instead, because that's a bit of a cliche, if I was sent to prison, (laughs) what would be the 12 packets of seed I would ask to take with me to then grow and feed my uh, wing mates that will give me really delicious things to eat without too much TLC and watering, so quite easy to look after, that are easy, productive over a long period of time and that I would want to eat on a daily basis. These are my 12. And number one, without doubt, I think is flat leaf parsley. And the reason that I chose it, I know it's not going to keep the wolf from the door, but I find herbs are one of the things that turns very ordinary food into something that is really delicious. You know, whether it's you're making a parsley sauce to perhaps go with some ham or whether you've got a buckwheat salad and you're making a tabbouleh, or you've got just literally a mixed leaf salad that you want some sharp sort of grassy notes in the salad, or I could go on and on and on. But I find I go to parsley here more than any other herb, and that is every single day of the year. So I sow it now as winter moves into spring, And I sow it again as summer moves into autumn. And if I sow it twice a year, I can pick flat leaf parsley. I, as I said, I think I use giant of Napoli as a variety because it just seems to be the hardiest and yet the tenderest leaf. And I personally prefer it to English curly parsley. So yeah, my number one, without doubt, whether I was growing in a window box, on a balcony in a city in the ground, whatever, it would be flat leaf parsley. And there's just one tip that you need to know about it is it has a germinator inhibitor in the seed coat. And I'm really apologize if I'm teaching grandmothers to suck eggs here, but that will slow down germination. So what I tend to do is I just leave it soaking for a few hours, can even be overnight in a little bit of water in a saucer. And then in the morning, I I strain it through a sieve, lay it over some paper towel, and then sow it once it's dried out a bit later in the day, and it will really speed up germination. So flat leaf parsley, whoa, number one, wherever I lived, in whatever country, wherever, and certainly in prison, flat leaf parsley would be on my window ledge. The second would be a butterhead lettuce. I was talking a few weeks ago on the podcast to Jane Scotter, who's a vegetable grower that I much admire. And We both adore this variety and it is such an incredibly good one called Merveille de Quatre Saisons or the, I've got a terrible French accent, the Marvel of Four Seasons. And it's got, it's sort of base is green, but it has these slightly crinkly, almost sort of slightly waxy leaves 
with a wash of crimson over the green. And the color is a bit deeper and richer as it gets colder. But again, we find we can pretty much sow and grow that all year here. Jane was saying she thinks it's absolute its best sown around now and eaten and through until May. But we do certainly give it a pause with that variety through the hot months of summer. But then I would move back to sowing that again in August. And it's cut and come again. So we don't harvest the whole heart in one go. We're much more conservative of the root. And so we just pick leaf by leaf around the outside, leaving, it's a quite a loose heart anyway, but leaving the heart intact. And I just pick that or, or with a knife, just cut ab- about an inch above the soil into a colander. I bring that in, I chuck it in a sink of cold water for an hour or two and then dry it. And then I put it in a plastic box in the bottom of the fridge. If You might have a salad drawer at the bottom of the fridge, but if not, just put it in a Tupperware box. And what I find is I can go to that for at least a week from that harvest and just take out a few leaves for a salad if I want one at any point for lunch or or dinner. It's just an absolute winner. And so again, if I was feeding my prison mates, I wouldn't need very many plants to create the base for a really good salad. And then for a flavor enhancer, my number three would be the most substantial of the Mitsuna varieties. Now, Mitsuna is that one that looks like feathers. The green variety is really sort of feathery and delicate. And I love that, but it is quite sort of stem dominant. And that's why I personally prefer the crimson variety, which is called Red Knight, which is K-N-I-G-H-T rather than Knight as in dark. And what I find is it's got about three times as much substance to each leaf. And so it makes it even more versatile. So I use that a huge amount, mixing it with the Merveille de Cat Saison in a salad. But also I use it in a stir fry, just adding it literally as I'm taking it off the heat because it wilts down really quickly. And it forms a really nice, interesting base for a soup because it's slightly sort of brassicary, but quite peppery and mustardy with it. So it gives a really nice flavor uh, with a can of coconut milk and a and a red or white onion just wilted down and then whizzed up. And it gives you this really nice peppery, sort of slightly peppy tasting soup. So number three, very nutritious too, would be Mitsuna Red Knight. Number four at this time of year and again in the autumn would be a salad rocket. So I always think of salad rocket as something that prefers it cold, grey and wet rather than hot, dry and warm. Uh, well, I said that already, hot and sunny, I mean. And so I think of it as best in the shoulders of the year. So sort of February, March, April, and then again, sow it in August, but for picking in September and October and even to November. And it's really, really sort of more substantial at that time of the year and yet milder in, in flavour. If it gets terribly cold, it gets almost too hot for me. But salad rocket would be my next one. And for prison life, if you've got only horrible iceberg lettuce, then adding salad rocket through an iceberg does make even an iceberg lettuce just about presentable to my palate. (laughs) So that would be my number four. Number five, which again, I apologize for those of you who've listened to the podcast before many times because a Swiss chard would undoubtedly be my next one. So that's the big white stemmed chard. And the reason that I would take that with me to my desert island or to prison 
is that it's two vegetables in one. And that's what you need to know about Swiss chard. So the stem is a vegetable that you remove with a sharp knife, kitchen knife, when you come into the kitchen and put that on one side. And the green is another vegetable. And the green is like, I think in flavor, it's sort of halfway between kale and spinach. So it's like a more substantial kind of earthy tasting spinach. And the the stem, the white, as I, as I tend to call it, is really, it's almost like spinach crossed with celery, perhaps with a little bit of cardoon in it as well. And you can, of course, mix the two, but the stem takes a little bit longer to cook than the green. So you would put the stem into the boiling water or if you're frying it or blanching or whatever, put it in three or four minutes before you then add the green over the top. Or you can literally treat them as two separate vegetables. And the stem makes the most fantastic gratin with parmesan and perhaps a bechamel, almost like you would use a chicory, for instance, al forno, like the classic Italian dish baked in the oven. And I also love it in that French way as they use leeks in a very mustardy uh, vinaigrette dressing. Absolutely delicious. So as a really light starter or, or as a side to, um, you know, substantial main. And then the green, I mean, there are so many ways you can use it. So wonderful in a bechamel with lots of nutmeg, wonderful with creme fraiche, again, with nutmeg and parmesan for a pasta sauce. And the key thing about all those first five, so flat leaf parsley, lettuce, merveille de quatre saisons, mitsuna, red night, salad rocket and Swiss chard is that they're cut and come again. So if you pick them right, just picking the outer leaves, they will re-crop. And that's why for my prison basket, um, they are really fabulous because they will give you a really good amount of produce from a minimal amount of space. That also applies to number six, which is rhubarb. And rhubarb is, I think, a really underestimated vegetable. And it is actually a vegetable, not a fruit, although we use it as a fruit. And the reason I love it so much is twofold. One is it's cut and come again, which isn't that you're not cutting it, but you're pulling it. And so with a sharp tug at your wrist, you pull it out of the ground, stem by stem, and that will promote the formation of more buds below ground and more stems and leaves. So it's cut and come again or pull and pull again. And the second thing is it grows in shade. And I think lots of people don't realize that it's incredibly tolerant. So a friend of mine was saying, what vegetable could they grow in quite a shady north into east facing spot of their garden? And I said, well, have you, have you tried rhubarb? And she hadn't. So rhubarb, heavily mulch because it's a very hungry feeder, will give you a crop from March with an early variety like Timpley's Early to a late variety like Victoria, um, with a succession, you'll be picking that from um, March until certainly the end of July. So another really, really good value that I'd be lost without vegetable. And I use it a lot here, of course, for puddings, as we all know. And uh, we use it a lot here for making rhubarb cordial. And we'll put the recipe for that in the podcast notes, if you haven't already got it. Number seven, would have to be a kale. And this would be for sowing soon, but to be honest, not harvesting till the autumn with most varieties. And red ball kale is probably my favorite, which I think of as like the Dowager Duchess or 
queen of the vegetable garden because she's very elegant, very statuesque, and really dominates her space. And she's utterly, utterly delicious to eat. So red boar kale, definitely. But the problem with red boar is that it does take a while to grow. And so if I want something quick from seed to harvest, I would actually use a variety called red Russian. And this used to be called cottager's kale. And that's because you sow it and you will be harvesting from that within six to eight weeks. And you can pick the baby leaves and they are delicious in salad. But if you allow it to get fully grown, you can just harvest the leaves practically on a daily basis. It's such a quick grower and is very, very quick to get to harvestable size. And so, you know, in terms of good value for every square inch of your space, Red Russian would have to be number seven on my list. So the next four are not cut and come again. So I'm sort of slightly changing tack here. And if you happen to have a greenhouse, three of them would ideally be grown in there, but it's not essential. And that's why they have got onto the list rather than other varieties. So number eight would be potato anya. And I'm always sort of debate endlessly as to whether or not we should bother to grow potatoes here. But I have a few years not grown potatoes and then I've missed them so much because it comes to the evening and I've been working hard in the day and I want to be able to just walk outside into the garden and within 20 minutes have picked most of our dinner. And that's the thing. There's something so satisfying and so wonderful about just getting a trowel. And if you've planted them in furrows, you know, sort of piled up, I can just get my trowel and I can dig out enough potatoes for me and Adam for dinner uh, without disturbing the main home of the plant. I just absolutely love that. It gives me almost more pleasure than anything. And if I've got more people to feed, then I will actually obviously dig up a whole plant or even two or three. And if you get them into the water with the mint and salt already in the water and boil them really quickly, they are inexplicably different to a bought potato. And particularly with new varieties that are, are classically grown as new potatoes, things like Anya, uh, things like International Kidney, all those varieties, they are just exquisitely delicious, just straight out of the ground. You know, they have this sort of sweetness that you just don't get with a bought potato. I'm crazy about pink fur apple, but that has become more available to buy from organic suppliers these days as a potato rather than as a seed potato. And so in a way, if you've got limited space, then maybe you're better to buy those rather than grow them. But varieties like Anya and International Kidney are much more difficult to come by. So the final three would be two tomatoes and one cucumber. And again, I'm really sorry if you've heard me talk about this before, but I can't change my mind just to be new. I would have to say that my two tomatoes that I would be so sad if I didn't have out there from the middle of July until the end of September, even the middle of October, would be sun gold and black crim. And I wanted to just tell this sort of quite sweet little story, really, which is I work often with a very, very old friend of mine called Caroline Neville, and she just got a greenhouse this year, last year, sorry, last summer, with her husband, Chris. And we happen to have lots of spare tomato seedlings here. 
and she had left it too late to sow tomatoes. So I bought her a few leftover um, little tomato plants and some of them had their labels had got muddled up and had been relabeled perhaps uh, we weren't sure but maybe wrongly anyway i then went to visit her and she said ah oh, this one called tigerella is absolutely amazing it's by far our favorite and she kept sending me sort of messages that they loved this one called tigerella which i indeed i love too but then when I actually went to visit her, she then showed me what she was thinking was Tigrella. And it wasn't, of course, it was black crim. And it was just so interesting that out of all the different seedlings, I think they were growing seven or eight different varieties. Uh, the one that they by far prefer was black crim. And I was slightly surprised that they'd chosen Tigrella. But so I was not surprised when I found out that in fact it had just been wrongly labeled and it was black crim. So yeah, it's called Noir de Crime. It's from the Crimea. And it's big, black, and juicy. It's not quite black, actually. It's sort of a strange crimson color. You cut into it. It's got amazing texture, so you can slice it for salad, for tomato and mozzarella salad. But also, it's it's absolutely amazing in all the different things, like gazpacho, so raw soups, roasted soups. It's just so versatile. But it is particularly as a raw one that it is just exquisite. Sungold. Of course, tomato is, is the most famous tomato, wins taste trials round the houses every year. Orange skin, very thin skinned, very, very, very sweet and really prolific and utterly delicious. And so again, in contrast to the big, juicy, slightly more acid black crim or noir de crime, sun gold, they make, they look wonderful on the plate, but also make a, a fantastic combination of flavors. So then finally, doesn't need to be in a greenhouse, but it can be, is a cucumber, which is one of the mini Havana cigar size cucumbers. So I always think of them as going from my wrist to the tip of the, my middle finger. And that's the size that I harvest them at. And uh, they don't get seedy. They're never bitter. They're incredibly juicy but not too much seed. You don't want those ones that there's almost no flesh with, just with seeds. They're kind of the perfect cucumber, to be honest. I find the more I harvest, the more crop. We counted them off one plant here last year and we got 42 off one, which is pretty amazing. And then I think we slightly got bored of counting. So I'm not sure that there wouldn't have been even more than that, actually. Anyway, it, just marvellous cucumber, sweet, juicy, tender, thin-skinned, prolific, easy to grow, just absolutely tip-top, outdoor or indoor, needs a frame because it's a climber. But yeah, a really, really fantastic cucumber. Don't grow too many. That's the one thing I'd say because they're so prolific. Don't think, oh, I'm going to have 10 cucumber plants because are you really going to eat 420 cucumbers in the summer season? Probably not, unless you make cucumber chutney or pickle, which is, of course, delicious. So, to round up, four absolute must-have 12-edge, flat-leaf parsley, lettuce, the marvel of four seasons, Mitsuna red night, salad rocket. I don't really mind which variety. We grow serrata here, but Swiss chard, rhubarb, probably an early and a late, so a timply early perhaps in Victoria. A kale, either red Russian if you want it instantly or red boar if you're a bit more patient or both. Potato, perhaps one like Anya. Tomato sun gold, tomato black crim or noir de crime, 
and a cucumber ladiva. And that concludes kind of what I feel are the must-haves. And those are the things that I've written about most sort of passionately and prominently in my new book, um, which is A Year Full of Veg, which comes out this spring. And I talk about how to grow them, why we decided they were the best varieties, but really in terms of taste, productivity, ease of growth, those are the vegetables that I would passionately recommend. Thanks so much for listening to me on Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Adam, my husband, Adam Nicholson, and we're going to talk about the use of wood in the garden. I mean, particularly in the garden here at Putch Hill, where we use our own local wood or our own harvested wood as much as we possibly can. But just the whole general thing of why hazel, silver birch, willow and chestnut are really things to be celebrated for nature and for the aesthetics in a garden. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com.